Cairo Radio was paid a fee to air the following program. All information discussed on the following program is for general information purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. Prior to acting on any legal matter, you should seek legal advice from a qualified legal attorney who can evaluate your situation and advise you accordingly. Welcome to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. Your Partner in Law is brought to you in part by the law firm Gregorick & Associates PLLC. Charting your course to a secure future. Your Partner in Law starts now. Here's your host, Rick Gregorick. Good morning and welcome to Your Partner in Law. Hi, I'm Rick Gregorick, attorney at Gregorick & Associates. And from our bunker in Kirkland, I've got um, Ted Hansen here with me. And we're going to have a little chat with you today. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about current events, of course, but maybe with a little different perspective than you've been hearing from everybody else. After all, we are estate planners. We're here to help protect and preserve your assets, making sure that you don't have to pay any taxes that you don't have to pay, that you're being very smart about it, and you're saving as much money for your own family and that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about some gifting today. So we're going to put that as a big umbrella, the term gifting. We're going to talk about some different strategies and why right now, during a pandemic, might be a very strategic time to do certain types of gifting. So we're going to talk about that and some of the pros and cons, and we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the strategies involved. And um, then I, I just feel compelled to tell you, you know, because, you know, a lot's been going on since uh, the first part of the year. Lots has been going on. But we have a weird thing coming up here, July 15th. Remember? That's the day your taxes are now due. So you remember in April 15th when they passed on by, we were going, yay, everybody was cheering. And But, you know, now it's it seemed like April 15th was so far away. And when we looked at April 15th, we said, oh, we got all the way to July 15th. Well, guess what? July 15th is here. So, folks, you got a long weekend. If you haven't done your taxes, um, you better get on them. So um, that. Now, along that line... Um, you know, Ted and I here, we were talking here not uh, a little bit ago, but since you got till July 15th, if you have contributions to retirement plans, 401ks, even your work plans, uh, your 401ks or your HSA health savings accounts, you can still make 2019 contributions up to July 15th. So that's pretty cool. So, Ted, uh, good morning once again here in the afternoon. Well, good morning, and uh, happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. And I hope you're getting your grub on like all Americans love to do and uh, perhaps firing up that barbecue. And now that Rick soured the air with this tax thing, we're going to kind of dive into taxes and gifting. And 4th how those of July is an American holiday. I guess, taxes uh, are an American uh, tradition. Well, I'm not sure if it's a well-loved tradition like 4th of July weekend, <laughs> certainly. But nevertheless, it it does come to us once a year, whether we like it or not. So, Well, you know, on the serious side, Ted, I certainly hope that there's an awful lot of reflection on just what it means to be an American on this 244th birthday of our country and through the trials and tribulations we've been through. And, you know, I guess Ted, you and I, and especially myself, we got a couple miles under our belts and we've been around and we've seen a lot of things. And of course, our parents and grandparents went through a lot of things. And many of those times maybe seemed unbearable. But I I have faith in the American people, especially the folks listening to this show. (laughs) Well, that's that's (laughs) a good um, point. You know, we're going to get through this. We're going to survive and hopefully come out of this a stronger country, more unified. I think we were quite unified. Not that we couldn't be better. There's always room for improvement. So uh, hopefully we'll do that. But... This is a pretty special place to live, and um, I can't think of too many places that are more special. So uh, let's not throw it out. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's make America the greatest place we can possibly make it for all of us. I mean, that's it's so simple, folks, just all of us. Well, Ted, let's talk a little bit about this gifting, because sometimes gifting is considered taxable. Sometimes it's not. 
and what's the difference between state level um, gifting? What are the rules there versus what are the rules when we get to the federal level? Um, because this stuff gets kind of complicated in some cases, and yet because of the market, market's down a little bit, taxes are at relatively historic lows, but the pandemic, the economic um, turmoil that we're going through, the massive amount of federal debt that is being required to shore up the economy through the pandemic really has only one final result that we can pretty much rely upon with some degree of certainty. Taxes are going to go up. It's which taxes and when and how much. That's that, that's the question. It's not if anymore. I don't think that we're going to cover a $7 trillion deficit. Now, certainly if the economy comes back strong, and especially if we can start over the next few years bringing more high-paid manufacturing jobs, those will stimulate the economy and um, higher wages, which will help with... Um, the tax revenue collection side, um, and maybe limit a little bit of the growth there. But Ted, you know, in your world, um, on the elder area, there's a lot of gifting that goes on there, but we might characterize that as gifting out of scarcity. Talk to the folks a little bit about how gifting is utilized in Medicaid, and then we'll move on to gifting from abundance. Well, first of all, I, I think it's important to ask the question, why are two estate planning attorneys talking about taxes at all, and how are we qualified to do that, and, and what does it really mean? Well, the, the purpose of gifting primarily is, is twofold. Number one, for the, the practical reasons, obviously, are helping out other generations. The second one is to shift tax brackets sometimes, and the, and the third really is to get money out of an estate that's taxable. Those are the primary reasons we use it. In the elder arena... Uh, we use gifting in the context, and I like to call this area sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly of gifting because when we get into uh, people that are older and perhaps need uh, care, gifting is generally a bad idea for a number of reasons because in the Medicaid world, if you gift five years prior to uh, submitting a Medicaid application, you're going to get penalized for that transfer. That penalty is about $10,000 for, or excuse me, about a month for every $10,000 you transfer. Um, and so in that context, it's very bad. And there are some other bad aspects of gifting, and we'll, we'll get into a little of those later, like basis and things of that nature uh, for gifting. But I think it's instructive perhaps to start off, Rick, with a discussion about this annual exclusion gifting. It's very commonly misunderstood. And then perhaps we talk about the federal uh, gifting limits, which are considerably different uh, approaches to getting money out of your estate, but nevertheless very important for passing on money to other generations, which is the link back to the estate planning uh, and, and how to get that and, and do that effectively in a tax-savvy manner. It really is. And so, Ted, when we're talking about the annual exclusion, this is the exclusion uh, from the federal government. This is um, IRC, Internal Revenue Code. Each person on the planet can give $15,000 to as many individuals as they want, but only 15000 no more than 15000 If you decide or desire to give more than 15000 then you enter into an arena what we call a taxable gift. Now, for most people, you're not ever going to pay in a, a gift tax, but you must report the gift that is in excess of $15,000 on a gift tax return, which is called a 709. Yeah, even $15,001. That's right, $1. is a gift return. And when you file that return, you know, a little fancy government accounting goes on. And we might call this double bookkeeping. So the government gives each of us a lifetime gift tax exemption that happens to be equal to the federal estate tax exemption, which is currently sitting at almost eleven million six hundred thousand. Right, and those haven't always been paired. I think that's important. No, to point they were only two. Yeah, they, they got paired in two thousand. That's right. That's right. And prior to that, it was only a million. So yeah. now people can gift up to eleven point. Eleven point five eight million, and so double that for a married couple. But let's say you gave away a million dollars above your fifteen. Well, what happens is that reduces your annual lifetime gift tax exemption by a million dollars. Then, when you die, 
that same million dollars will be deducted from your federal estate tax deduction. So some folks who don't understand this give away money during their life. Now, these are wealthy among us that do that. If you're giving away more than $11 million, that's a lot of money to give away. Um, but it's done every day. So when they give that more away, um, then that deducts your estate tax exemption. So you're bringing down that. And so it, it, it gifting has to be done strategically and knowledgeably and understanding the gift tax rules, um, which are a little bit thorny at places um, to do that. And then if you give away money greater than the exemption amount during your lifetime, that amount over the 11580000 will be taxed at approximately 40%. So if you gave a million dollars away over that, you would owe $400,000 in tax for that gift. And it's the person who makes the gift, which is the donor, who is responsible for the gift. A little hard to follow on radio, I know. So that's why we're going to offer everyone who's considering gifting right now Please give us a call at the office and schedule an appointment. This is not something we can do effectively over the phone with you, but we'd love to have you. Our office is open for business, uh, and uh, we're here to serve your needs and following all the proper social call protocols and everything that we out there. We're very serious about that. We want to protect ourselves and you and everyone else. Hey, we've got to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll continue this talk on gifting. Remember, contact us at yourpartnerinlaw.com. We'll be right back. When we talk about estate planning and elder law, there are two triggers that cause you to review your plan. John Curley here with my attorney, Rick Gregrick. And Rick, what are those two triggers? Thanks, John. There are two key triggers for when you should review your estate plan. Changes in health or wealth. COVID-19 is a significant impact to both, so everyone should review and update their estate plan. Ask yourself. Are you and your family prepared? Do you have the right executors, agents, and trustees? Have you provided for your family? We're here to help. This pandemic has disrupted all of our lives, so each of us needs to be proactive during these difficult times. Be prepared. Have a plan. Talk to Rick. Gregor and Associates, they're open. They're essential business, and they want to help give you peace of mind. You can call them or meet virtually to discuss your estate and elder law plan. Call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. Or book your free consultation online at yourpartnerinlaw.com. Hey, it's Story Monson. This Thursday, 3 p.m., right after the big show, I'll be joining Brian Ott with 525 Advisors for his live webinar. You'll learn all about the new long-term care plans offered by Brian and 525 Advisors. They protect your savings, they protect your family, and the plan we have pays us back if we never use it. And having a long-term care plan, it brings certainty to a very uncertain situation. It allows you to stay in control of your care options, and maybe most importantly, it brings peace of mind to your family during an extremely stressful situation. So reserve your spot today. Join Brian and me this Thursday, 3 p.m. I'll kick things off and share my long-term care story. Space is limited, so make sure to reserve your spot today at 525longtermcare.com. Brian keeps the webinar class sizes small to allow time for Q&A. There are a few spots left, so sign up now. It's all free, and I will be part of it. So go to 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. It's times like these that remind us how crucial it is to make sure your family's health care documents and money management is in order. Hey, it's John Curley. Be proactive, have a plan, and do what's best for your family so everyone can have peace of mind. I can't recommend it enough. Talk to Rick Gregorick. He helped me in my estate plan, and Rick is open and ready to help make sure your plan is properly updated. And if you don't have an estate plan, Rick is absolutely the best in the area to create the proper plan to custom fit for your needs. Rick wants to encourage everyone to follow the guidelines being provided by local and state and federal governments to slow the growth of this deadly virus. It's vitally important to invest in yourself and your family. In a proper estate, an elder law plan has never been more important. Rick Gregorick and Associates are open now and ready to help you. You can schedule your complimentary consultation by calling 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. Or go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. Now back to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick. 
on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. And welcome back to Your Partner in Law. I'm Rick Gregorick, and we're talking with uh, Ted Hansen here, our other attorney in the office. And we started off our first segment talking a little bit about gifting. And we ran a little short there, so I want to kind of follow up a little bit about that. Um, the gifting we're talking about um, is complex and has lots of tax ramifications, uh, both income tax, capital gains tax, and gift taxes. So when we get the trifecta of taxes, we want to make sure that you're being smart in doing your gifting. So we do offer free consultations for all of our wonderful KVI, our school boy, KTTH and Cairo listeners. My goodness, Freudian here on live radio. Anyhow, um, almost live. But... um, Free consultations for that. Um, that other station, you call me up and maybe we'll get, work something out with you. And um, so we want to talk to you about So you can call us at the office. The office number is 425-284-3450. 425-284-3450. Or yourpartnerinlaw.com. Um, gifting is a great way to deal with a lot of situations, and it even makes family happy. Uh, you know, people are doing multi-generational gifting, and that's another element that jumps into gifting is what we call generation skipping taxes. If you give money to your child, that's different than giving money to a grandchild because you skipped over a generation, which meant that the government didn't get an opportunity to tax your money that would have gone to your child before it went to your grandchild. So hence the skip. Now, that's another fun area of uh, planning. And generation skipping, you don't have to be a multi-gazillionaire to take advantage of that. A lot of people with um, estates between 3 and $10 million can uh, take... Uh, reap some good benefits from this type of strategy. So, uh, Ted, we were talking a little bit first about um, gifting from scarcity, which is the Medicaid qualification gifting. And I think probably one of the areas that is most difficult and and then becomes destructive for people because of lack of knowledge of the law is the typical phone call that we get so often. Oh, uh, hi, my name's uh, Steve. And uh, I was wondering if you guys do real estate deeds. Why, yes, Steve, we do. What kind of deed are you looking for? Well, you know, um, probably just a quit claim deed. Uh, Mom wants to um, go ahead and transfer the house to me, uh, you know, in, in case something happens to her. I said, oh. That was mom's idea. Interesting. Um, so then we'll have a conversation. Are there siblings or what's going on there? And the motivation is, you know, it, it probably starts off with, you know, honest motivation, trying to protect the house so the government doesn't get it. So the first myth is the government doesn't take your house. So we can put that aside. Um, what happens is um, if you own a home and you are otherwise out of money and you require care and therefore would be eligible for Medicaid, but for the house, your house is an exempt asset and you can qualify for Medicaid. Whereas if you'd gone ahead and sold that house, you'd have to spend all the money down before you qualified. And worse yet, if you gifted the house to your son, you would be disqualified based on the value of the house, but more likely for three to five years, at least up to five years, to where Who's going to pay for mom's care if she gave the house to you and Medicaid won't pay for it? Ted, what happens in that situation? Well, that's one of those <clears throat> excuse me, uglies of, of gifting in this arena, and that is this penalty period that I talked about earlier. Uh, and, but I'd also think it's important to, to point out that there are some planning options for married couples, and gifts between spouses are generally uh, not subject to they, – they almost are never subject to uh, to estate recovery and, and, and a penalty period. So, but but the key to the key to that type of strategy is to take that house out of the estate, so you avoid that estate recovery rule, uh, which allows the state to come after that real property or lien that real property for any uh, uh, medical care that they have provided for long term care for people that are over fifty five years of age. Uh, but this gets into that arena of of sometimes ugly, uh, and and the other reason that that you know Rick used the example that he did is that's a common thing that we get. In fact, I got one of those today. I was going to say, uh, it's almost that, daily. That said, that said to, in the email something to the effect that we gifted the house uh, to, to my son and 
2015 or something to that effect, and will it still be a problem after the five years of run out? And of course, that the answer to that question is no under that circumstances. But they're they're lucky that they weren't in the middle of the period, and 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 that would still subject them to a penalty. Uh, for Medicaid, which means that you have to wait and somebody else has to pay for your care for that period uh, while you're undergoing the penalty period. And those can be up to five years. That's the that's the limit. And that's really harsh when you need care and you've shifted assets and that sort of thing and you can't do what we call cure that gift, which should be in the state of Washington giving back the entire value of the gift, whether it's cash or real estate. Yeah, partial paybacks don't work. Partial in the state of Washington do not work. There are some states that do it, but we are not one of them. So it's full payment or nothing, and a lot of times when money in particular has been gifted, it, it's it's gone, and it's not uh, recoupable, and it's not able to be cured. You know, Ted, that, that's a good point to highlight to folks is we have 50 states and then some territories. But all of those have different rules on a lot of these issues, and some of them are almost opposite rules. They're completely opposite, and if you've seen one Medicaid state's rules, you've seen one Medicaid state's rules. Right. They're all different, and, and they differ materially in many, many respects. And the biggest area uh, that we have here at, that other states do not have is the countable uh, IRA accounts and retirement accounts. Some states do not count those as resources, um, which is which is a significant benefit if they don't, because most people have a lot of money wrapped up in those things. But the state of Washington treats those differently, that they're all countable. And when you have to start spending down a traditional plan that is a pre-tax dollar plan, then, then you've got to pay taxes on that money. So you're taking out 10 to take out 7 to pay for care, right? So it's a, it's a difficult area for sure. So kind of a life tip, folks. You know, I, I hear all the time, well, my brother, um, you know, or my, my, my uncle or somebody back in Michigan or in Alabama or New York or Florida or Arizona, well, this is what they did and what their attorney did. I said, that's great. But that may or may not work here in Washington. Um, I I, I implore you folks that are in these situations and, you know, the folks that are facing potential for Medicaid and that, the last thing on your mind very often is going into an attorney's office because what does that mean? Oh, geez, those attorneys, they're pretty pricey. But if that attorney can show you how to save many, many multiples of their fee, for you know, just for a crude example, if I could save you a hundred thousand dollars, would that be worth paying me twenty five hundred dollars? Most people would say, "Well, sure, that'd be a great deal. I pay twenty five hundred dollars and I get a hundred thousand dollars of benefit." We're talking that kind of numbers, folks. Although sometimes we're talking about you spend ten thousand and save a million. Yeah. And by the way, attorney fees are not one of the areas that Medicaid scrutinizes. So you're able to pay your attorney without worrying about it being a gift because it's not a gift. No, it's, in fact, it's, it's it's an exchange for value, and that and that really is what this is about. Is is uh, anything that's gifted for less than fair market value can generally create some problems for people. So we really want you to think about that, and you know, start thinking about these things. And you know, it's best to think about these early in your estate planning rather than waiting until you're disabled and then having to try to make some of these tough decisions when you have maybe some sort of impaired um, cognitive abilities. Um, I have a feeling we're all going to learn a lot about cognitive abilities here in the coming weeks. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. But I think we're all, you know, we all learned about um, the the ventilators. I don't think the population had a lot of education on ventilators. Now everybody in America knows about ventilators. I'm pretty sure we're going to get a pretty big dose in cognitive impairment as it occurs, you know, as we age with um, two rather elderly presidential candidates. I think this is going to be interesting, (laughs) Ted. I think so. (laughs) You know, just from that perspective, because they're already accusing each other of cognitive issues. So it's... Well, any any time you hit a certain level, myself included, and <laughs> the 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 cognitive ability declines, and that's natural for most people. However, it can become really pronounced the more the more public you are, I suppose. Well, and, depending on the importance yeah, of your decisions. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> running but, a country's kind of a biggie. Yeah, it's kind but, of. But uh, but anyhow, so in this, we really want to make sure that if you are considering gifting, this is not something that you should go. Oh, it's really a piece of cake. I read online. I can just quit claim deed and it's all done you may have just made the biggest mistake of your life so please uh, we want to help you avoid those mistakes and uh, 
and also, you know, taking the best care of mom and dad or whoever the incapacitated person is. So we wanted to do that. So, folks, uh, you know, with all the COVID and everything going on and the pandemic and the social distancing and all the things that we're all going through, your law firm is here to help you. We're an essential business. Um, Ted, you've been in court. There's all kinds of things. So, you know, some things have to go on. And we want to make sure, especially for our elder community, that if you have any needs, please do not hesitate to call us. We've been talking to a lot of you on your living wills, updating powers of attorney, health care directives, or getting them in place if you don't have them. So we're here to you know help do that. So uh, please give us a call. I've been some people have been surprised. They go, oh, you're answering the phone. Yes, we've always answered the phone, and we will continue doing so with a live person. If you do get a non-live person, it's just that all the live people are busy but um, are on the phone. So uh, we will get with you. So, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, more of yourpartnerinlaw.com. When we talk about estate planning and elder law, there are two triggers that cause you to review your plan. John Curley here with my attorney, Rick Gregrick. And Rick, what are those two triggers? Thanks, John. There are two key triggers for when you should review your estate plan. Changes in health or wealth. COVID-19 is a significant impact to both, so everyone should review and update their estate plan. Ask yourself, are you and your family prepared? Do you have the right executors, agents, and trustees? Have you provided for your family? We're here to help. This pandemic has disrupted all of our lives, so each of us needs to be proactive during these difficult times. Be prepared. Have a plan. Talk to Rick. Gregor and Associates, they're open. They're essential business, and they want to help give you peace of mind. You can call them or meet virtually to discuss your estate and elder law plan. Call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. Or book your free consultation online at yourpartnerinlaw.com. Hey, it's Story Monson. This Thursday, 3 p.m., right after the big show, I'll be joining Brian Ott with 525 Advisors for his live webinar. You'll learn all about the new long-term care plans offered by Brian and 525 Advisors. They protect your savings, they protect your family, and the plan we have pays us back if we never use it. And having a long-term care plan, it brings certainty to a very uncertain situation. It allows you to stay in control of your care options, and maybe most importantly, it brings peace of mind to your family during an extremely stressful situation. So reserve your spot today. Join Brian and me this Thursday, 3 p.m. I'll kick things off and share my long-term care story. Space is limited, so make sure to reserve your spot today at 525longtermcare.com. Brian keeps the webinar class sizes small to allow time for Q&A. There are a few spots left, so sign up now. It's all free, and I will be part of it. So go to 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. We return to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH with your host, Rick Gregorick. And welcome back to Your Partner in Law. I'm Rick Gregorick at the law firm of Gregorick & Associates, and this is Ted Hansen, attorney extraordinaire at the law firm of Gregorick & Associates. Um, it's always wow. a delight to have Ted. Wow. And we, you know, <laughs> Ted's got a nickname, which I don't think wow. we can use on air. But um, not the one my wife calls me. I hope no. We we can't make that one public. But Ted's a you know he's a he's a fun guy, very clever, got a great sense of humor. But what but is you know when working with our clients and Ted works with some of our most sensitive cases with disabilities and things of that nature. Great deal of empathy for that, and I think our whole law firm does. So, um, well, that's very flattering. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I have to do it. Sometimes. I must admit, though, it takes a certain type of individual to be able to deal with the elder law and, and, and that type of community and have some empathy beyond the paycheck and things of that nature, which really make it a challenge. But kind of really, like the nurse of the legal I, profession, somewhat like that. But it's becoming a very it's becoming a very big part of the law. Where ten years ago or so, it was that you'd have somebody that would specialize in in elder law issues, but they 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 squarely have a place in in the legal profession and in particular the estate planning arena. So yeah. that's why we do it. And you know, when we started talking about this gifting, I think I've gone through most of the bad of gifting. You know, there are some other things that you shouldn't shouldn't do. One other issue with gifting houses that we haven't touched on yet is this issue of basis and taxation and related to capital gains taxes and 
so essentially how basis works is if I give you a dollar for my uh, for, if I give you a pen that's worth a dollar and now that pen's worth ten dollars I've got a nine dollar gain that I need to pay for now of course those numbers are just for illustration purposes but that gain in the housing arena is subject to capital gains taxes now um, in other words you take at the at the donor's basis is what is what that means in short. Uh, but the reality is, if you were to turn around and sell that home that was just gifted to you today, tomorrow, and your mother bought it for a hundred and it's now worth a million, you've got a nine hundred thousand dollar taxable gain to deal with at about fifteen percent in most cases. Well, fifteen to twenty, yep, and depending so on your bracket. bracket that's and right. so you're yeah. looking at in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. for taxes. So, so basis is one of the uglies. Of, there's of not that. a lot of you out there that write checks to the government for taxes that are over a hundred thousand dollars very often. So we're talking a very substantial yeah. tax. Due in the next tax year, right. we might so, add, right? so, Ted, let's do a little gear shifting. Okay, we've been talking about gifting out of scarcity. In other words, qualifying for medical um, assistance through the government, Medicaid, and other related type programs. And that's a whole entire body of law. So this is a great example of the difference between traditional estate planning and elder law. What we've been just talking about is elder law. We don't do that in traditional estate planning. So let's shift gears now that we've given you a little bit on elder law, and let's switch over to the traditional estate planning. And we're going to now be talking about gifting from abundance rather than scarcity. And when we mean that is usually what we're talking about abundance, simply defined in my world, is you have more money than the estate tax exclusion amount and are therefore subject to having to pay estate taxes at either the state level or the federal level. Right. Now, not all states have estate taxes. We, that's important to point out, too, but we certainly do here. So most of the planning that we do is centered around that Washington estate tax planning, either being able to defer it or eliminate it altogether. And there are various techniques that we use to do that, but that's what Rick is talking about now is is being tax savvy in your planning and and really helping other generations in a tax-savvy manner. That's the, that's the essence of what we try to do in this arena. So traditional estate planning, as compared to elder law, is really about wealth building and then taking that wealth down through the generations. That's what most of us want to do. Most of us, when we have children, we want them to better have a better life and a better world than we have. Yeah, or some combination of charities and children. Charities and things yeah. like that. So, so the, the gifting, let's start off with some, some numbers again. And they're the same numbers, of course, $11,580,000 estate tax exemption at the federal level, approximately $2.5 million at the state level. And as Ted said, I think there's about 19 states that have an estate tax of some sort. We'll probably see more over time, possibly. Um, very active area. In uh, those states that do not have their own estate tax, they have what they call a relationship with the federal government, and it's called a pickup tax. So they will get a percentage of any taxes paid um, to the to the feds, which is how it all used to be done until uh, the uh, the de- new regime. Until they decoupled it. Yeah. Until they decoupled the estate planning. And so what we've got is some very unique uh, gifting opportunities for folks. But I want to talk a little bit about gifting and why we want to have it at this stage. Well, we know taxes might be going up. We know that the exemption amount is at a historic high and likely to come down. Taxes are likely to go up. So by gifting an asset today at its lower cost basis and assuming that you're then passing the tax on to a lower tax bracket beneficiary, we may have some real benefits here. And for some of you um, that are... um, have a lot of investments, and especially maybe some of you who have real estate investments, but this works for all assets, whether it's stocks, bonds, real estate, whatever. But say you've been holding on to that piece of rental property for a long time because, oh, gee, the capital gains of this, that, and the other. Well, we may want to take another look at that because there, there's a couple things on the horizon that should give you concern. One is, what if the capital gains step-up goes away? At right now, 50-50. It could go away. It's got the same odds as who's going to win the presidency. Okay? That's about as simple as it can be. 
And so we'll figure that out as we go along. But if you were to gift it away today, or excuse me, if you were to realize your capital gains today, that might be a strategic play. So for Washingtonians, because we have this $2.5 million exemption and the Fed's at $11 million six, the difference between there is our sweet spot of gifting opportunity for Washingtonians to do that to where they preserve 100% of their estate exemption for Washington State because we don't have a gift tax and use the um, federal rules to bring down the 11.5 and as long as our estate is less than what we bring it down to as far as the uh, dollar value then voila, um, you're able to gift away very cost-effectively, very efficiently to your children, possibly your grandchildren. And now, for many of you, when we're gifting sizable sums of money, so in the arena we're talking about here, these would generally be gifts in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, depending on where people's wealth is. And so you can gift up to your entire federal estate tax exemption before you'd have to pay a penny of gift tax. So we that is done frequently. Sometimes it's done, that's right. And we've done that a number of times now. It's got to be done with careful analysis. And normally we would work with uh, your financial advisors if that's appropriate, or your CPA almost all the time. If you don't have one, we're going to appoint one for you. <laughs> we're going to do that and then our own analysis and then you know, brief you on the results such that you're fully aware of what's going to go on and happen. And then we want to, you know, then move forward on the gift. So we really have a very unique opportunity facing us right now for strategic gifting. You know, if I was to assume that the gift tax exemption might be lower than $11.5 million next year or the year after, I might be wise to take advantage of it today because be, you're not going to lose anything if you give away $11 million and then they drop the exemption to five, you got $11 million exempted free. They, there's, there's no penalty for coming back or anything like that. It's not that if they lower it to five, you wouldn't be negative four, okay, if that makes sense. So there's no penalty for doing it. So um, that's a, a great opportunity. But this is an area that does require uh, careful analysis and then integration into your overall uh, total estate plan from a estate tax, gift tax, capital gains tax uh, point of view which uh, anyone that has over a couple million dollar estate should have features like that in their wills, trust, and powers of attorney to be uh, tax efficient. Yeah, and we, we routinely will do marital tax planning in almost every situation that we have because, frankly, sometimes people that don't have the amount of money that's taxable now may in the future from inheritances and things of that nature, which we always ask about, and some of these are ra- rather... Uh, rather large inheritance that that they're I guess they expect that they're going to get it someday, but we we do plan for that regardless, and and it's better to have the tax planning built into your plan than to not have it at all because it's one of those things that we just don't know sometimes. So we're, we we are on the side of caution with that. So we have people that are well below that number, but we still provide marital tax planning within their plan. Absolutely. Hey, folks, uh, Gregor and Associates, we're open for business been a little you know it's been it's been sad you know we're not seeing as many folks you know we're talking to folks on the phone and doing all that kind of stuff but we haven't been able to be seeing a lot of folks but now we're opening up a little bit and with gloves and masks and we've got our touchless thermometer gun you know for all us mature folks out there have some conversations with the younger folks whether it's your children grandchildren nieces or nephews maybe it's just the neighbor kids have a conversation with them don't go out and yell at them about not putting their mask on have a conversation with them and uh, let them know that you're a person and that that you're thanking them for helping protect them yourselves um, to do that so that's what our young people can do for us we'll be right back after this short break Hey, it's Story Monson. This Thursday, 3 p.m., right after the big show, I'll be joining Brian Ott with 525 Advisors for his live webinar. You'll learn all about the new long-term care plans offered by Brian and 525 Advisors. They protect your savings, they protect your family, and the plan we have pays us back if we never use it. And having a long-term care plan, it brings certainty to a very uncertain situation. It allows you to stay in control of your care options. And maybe most importantly, it brings peace of mind to your family 
during an extremely stressful situation. So reserve your spot today. Join Brian and me this Thursday, 3 p.m. I'll kick things off and share my long-term care story. Space is limited, so make sure to reserve your spot today at 525longtermcare.com. Brian keeps the webinar class sizes small to allow time for Q&A. There are a few spots left, so sign up now. It's all free, and I will be part of it. So go to 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. Retirement. What does it mean to you? Has it changed as a result of today's economy? Are you worried about your future? Could there be stormy seas ahead? Hi, this is Rick Gregrick, founder of Gregrick & Associates. We're a dedicated team of legal and tax professionals that can help you navigate your course for a secure future. Whether you're just thinking about your retirement or you're well into your retirement years, whether you're single, married, or involved in a domestic partnership, we can help you create your necessary legal and tax planning. I am so glad I found one firm that can help me with all my legal and tax needs. Call today for your free consultation. 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. You can also sign up for a partner-in-law event. Just go to yourpartnerinlaw.com and find the elder law or estate planning course that's best for you. You can register for both events by going to yourpartnerinlaw.com. Yourpartnerinlaw.com. Now back to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. And welcome back to Your Partner in Law. I'm Rick Gregrick, and the law firm sponsoring the show is Gregrick & Associates. And we're really so thrilled to be with you, Ted and I, every week here and um, do that and pass on some uh, some ideas for you to act on. I mean, and, and these are ideas. When we talk about this stuff on the radio, please don't go out and try it yourself. You know, the old saying, you know, professional course or something like that, you know. Please don't try this at home. Uh, some of this is very... Um, technical in nature and um but with this magnificent results when it's done right and so in this whole gifting arena um there's a lot of fun things that you can do and i also wanted to get into when you make a gift if you just hand somebody the dollars here you go here's a million dollars cash um one might wonder is that the best way to give them money Ted, what do you think? What, let's have a discussion on that. Well, we I have this discussion every single time that we do these, and this relates to estate planning. What a lot of people kind of miss, I think, Rick, is this difference between an outright gift and a gift to them in trust or some other uh, mechanism. And, and the difference being outright gifts are always subject to creditors and predators, we call them, and that means bad marriages, bankruptcy courts, things of that nature. So... When you're doing substantial gifting, I would say beyond the annual exclusion amount, and sometimes even including the annual exclusion amount, it's better off to put those things through what we what we call gift trusts and things of that nature, which asset protect the money for the beneficiary and really provide a, a modicum, I guess, of control for the person giving the gift that you can earmark it for certain purposes like education and the like. And, and those are really popular mechanisms for people to use. It, it's still rather prevalent that people ask about education trusts in particular for kids and grandkids and how to structure those and we do a fair amount of those uh but the answer to that rick's you know question begged was was is this subject to creditors is that the best way to give the gift in our opinion uh generally speaking the answer is no it's better to give to them at a trust yeah, and, and the other thing that happens when you just get a large lump sum of money is people oftentimes become afflicted with um, sudden wealth syndrome, it's a real it's a real disease. Yeah, also known as the lottery disease. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, you know it, and I kind of always call it the urge to splurge. <laughs> and oftentimes, it's real though. Oftentimes, regrettable. Um, but the, the statistics you can go check these out. There's a book called Sudden Wealth Syndrome. So there's all kinds of fun stuff. The statistics are not they're not favorable um, to look at it at how many people essentially blow their lump sum inheritance very quickly. And in the life, you know, they're never going to get a lump sum like that yeah. again. Usually within a couple of years, you know. Yeah, it's, two to three years. Yeah, it's gone. So, and, and we've certainly seen our fair share of these people. And and once again, the value of the trust is being able in many cases to meet that money out on a discretionary basis and typically that's done by not having the beneficiary themselves be the trustee of the trust you yeah. have some other independent so, party doling so, out the money so to speak so i want to discourage you know a practice that's quite common 
well, I'm going to give money to my son, and I'm or and he's going to hold it to give to my grandson. That eh, doesn't work, folks. Grandson will probably never see it. Not that dad was bad, but maybe dad got in a car wreck and got sued, and the money that you gave him, well, it's gone. So not a good idea. Not a high success of not a high probability of success. Um, I am such an advocate of leaving gifts and inheritance in trust to your beneficiaries. And then we can talk about, should the beneficiary be a trustee? Should they earn their way into being a trustee? Should they have some sort of uh, criteria for becoming a trustee, aside from just reaching a certain age? Should they demonstrate fiscal and financial responsibility? You know, should uh, would we want to make sure that their substance abuse, substance abuse issues are those kind of things are not present? Um, Can we? How do can we do this? We have some really fun conversations, and uh, I think you know, I know I'm Ted and I, and just about everybody I know in this world for our own children. We've absolutely set these types of instruments up for them because it's. It's just a better way to go. We can set these up so your kids could have a great deal of freedom in using and spending money as they see fit. Or maybe you'd like to put some throttles in there or some slowdowns. Maybe you set up two trusts. One trust, you say, well, that's their long-term investment. I don't want them to be messing with that money until they're 50. And we can write provisions in there for that. The other one is going to be their lifestyle um, support trust. And they would be able to draw on that during their lifetime for their health, education, maintenance and support type issues to supplement their own earnings. And you can also put other things in there that um, behavior types of issues that um, if you're, you know, drinking or boozing or drugging or whatever, that you're not going to be eligible for distributions. So there's a lot of things we can do in trust to incentivize behavior, um, but also to grow leadership and bring people into stewardship of their money and that's the part that excites me is being able to let's say you have a grandchild and when you die and you've left them ten thousand dollars not a giant thing ten thousand dollars but they're only six years old well you leave that to them in a trust you manage that well imagine how much that ten thousand dollars is going to turn into by the time that child is 50 years old you just secure, you know, you really went a long way to helping secure your grandchild's future and their retirement. You probably won't be around to see it, but you'll know that's legacy, folks. That's building your legacy that you've helped set that up. You don't have to be a multimillionaire when you start doing multi intergenerational planning and setting generations up for success in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it can be much like a savings account. You know, you can start off small and increase it as you go. And and really provide that legacy that most people, I think, want, certainly for their, most of us, for our children, certainly for the grandchild, right? So I think that's a that's a really good point about having that money, you know, in some type of device like that to make that work. You know, and it's a lot of fun planning for us. I mean, these are kind of fun things. We, we deal so much with the mundane issues of taxes and, you know, come on, guys, there's nothing much more boring than reading a tax manual. I love it. I honestly do. But it, it, it's tough to get through. Uh, there's a lot more fun things to do. But um, this is what we do. And Ted was saying, you know, about estate planners. You know, folks, to be an effective estate planner, I think a good attorney has to have a wide base of skills in real estate business law, taxes, and obviously all the components that are going to go along to estate planning, because that's what estate planning is dealing with. It's dealing with all those things. If you're a business owner, we've got to incorporate your business into your estate plan. I will go down a limb and say 80% of you or 90% of you who own businesses have probably done little, if anything, to properly integrate your business into your estate plan, and many of your businesses are going to end up in and therefore dying in probate when you die. And I just hate to see that after people have toiled for decades and built their business up and have it built in a proper succession plan for yeah, what happens. And that's when a they good die. that's a really good point because I think the statistics are, are out there that the succession of businesses beyond the original owner uh, the, 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 the failure rate is really quite high and, and unless you plan for that in some meaningful way, that's likely going to be the result. but that is absolutely borne out by the numbers and that if you don't plan for that which which was the asset that you used to raise your kids to provide for your retirement and all these other things 
just disappear because uh, you failed to plan for it. And that's uh, another big aspect of what we do is trying to pairing uh, businesses with estate plans. Well, yeah, it's and that's so, challenging. Sometimes. So important, though, and and, and it, it can be challenging, especially if you have other business partners, your shareholders, Absolutely. your members. You know, but trust me, it's you, you want to take care of that. You don't want to be doing that when you're disabled or dead. Very hard to deal with at those times, and very costly, and maybe catastrophic to your business. So we want to try to avoid that. Um, there's just this is just such a uh, you know a, a huge area when we're looking at you know your estate planning and as we talked about earlier you know estate planning traditional estate planning I know you might hear some ads and some other things saying it's dead and it's wrong uh, I'll take great offense with that that's just nonsense estate planning is estate planning elder law is elder law they're related to each other we use very similar tools the difference is usually people's wealth or lack thereof and their health and cognitive abilities that's the difference and that's why we talked about gifting we talked about well gifting of scarcity is in the elder law arena gifting from abundance is the estate planning arena folks it's not that one plan is right and the other plan is wrong they're simply two different tools but they're both hammers, right? It's just they're different types of hammers. Now, I've talked about that on the show a bazillion times. You know, you go to the hammer wall at the hardware store. There's 100 hammers up there. Jeez, my dad sent me to the hardware store to get a hammer. I get down there, and I look at the hammer wall, and I go, which one? Well, the hammer I need has to be the hammer that is appropriate for the job to be done. Same thing with estate planning, thing. folks. Right. Traditional planning, elder planning, they're hammers. Which hammer do you need? Let's you know, We pick out the right hammer. Now, if I go down to the hardware store and I need an elder law hammer and I buy a traditional estate planning hammer, I bought the wrong hammer. That's right. That's <laughs> it's right. not the hammer's fault. That's exactly right. So, so, so I'm passionate so, about this, by the way. And if if you don't to- know, yeah. So, so one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this during the pandemic is now is a really tough time for a lot of people, and we wanted to make sure that if you're going to gift to people, you can do it in a very, very savvy manner if you just take the time to think about it enough and be cognizant of the things that we talked about today that will make it go wrong. Well, boy, another hour, Ted. It goes so darn fast here. Folks, uh, we'd love to see you uh, at Gregory and Associates. Give us a call. We still are doing phone and video consultations as well as in-person, in-person signings and that. Um, we're, we're opening up uh, slowly and getting back in the groove. So um, be safe, be sane, enjoy the rest of the Happy long fourth. weekend. Yep. And um, we're, uh, we'll be back next week, so be careful. Thanks for listening to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick. Event Info newsletters and Your Partner in Law podcast can all be found at yourpartnerinlaw.com. To schedule an appointment with Rick Gregorick, call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. For more information on the show or to sign up for a free Partner in Law event, visit yourpartnerinlaw.com. Tune in next Sunday morning at 9 to Your Partner-in-Law with your host, Rick Gregorick. Simulcast on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH.